Hey there, baseball fans. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne. We're the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. Welcome back for another week. Matt, big week ahead, big big week in here in the past. Let's uh, jump into it. How are things going? Going good. Let's do it. I know um, spring break's coming up. We're going to dive into that. But I think you were on the road last night and, and may have seen uh, one of the best matchups in North Carolina with two guys that I'm sure – we're drawing plenty of pro uh, attention. Uh, where were you? I was at uh, East Rowan, East Rowan versus South Rowan. Uh, great ballpark. Uh, if you didn't get there early, you weren't getting a seat. Uh, yeah. A lot of people there, and there was a, a heavy contingent of, uh, of pro scouts and uh, some higher-ups there as well with Hayden LaFue going for South Rowan and Chance Mako going for East Rowan. And uh, one of the quickest high school games I've ever been to. So it, was, uh, <laughs> it started, and you look up, we're in the seventh inning, and uh, then you're going home. But uh, Yeah, I saw there was not a ton of offense, which obviously is to be expected. But it looked like defensively those clubs played cleanly because I, I think LaFue had 10 punches and, and Mako had 11, so there were still balls put in play. There were still plays that needed to be made. Neither guy's pitch count looked like it was out of control. Most Both of them looked like they commanded the baseball okay. Um, let, let's start with Hayden LaFue. That's the one that um, – Maybe there's a little bit more question mark about uh, hasn't been on the scene quite as long as he kind of you know made that big jump last year. Uh, guys had a chance to see him this summer, obviously, and into the fall. Um, but what did you see out of LaFue uh, last night for South Rowan? Threw it really well. He didn't walk anybody. Uh, confident presence on the mound. First pitch of the game was 93. Uh, then he went 94 a couple times. Uh, Pretty much 92, 94 there in the first. Uh, a lot of fastballs. Uh, he got it to got it to both sides of the plate pretty well. Uh, Velo dipped a little bit in the second, and then in the third he was around 89, 91. But uh, later in the game he was back up bumping some 92s. Uh, okay. So he looked like he uh, maybe uh, adrenaline early, uh, and then got relaxed late, and the, the Velo came back, but. Uh, he threw it well, mixed in a cutter, uh, like 85, 87. He threw some. Um, thought the breaking ball was just okay early, but uh, he snapped off some better ones late, and it was in the 20, 24, 2500 spin range when he threw it, uh, mid-70s to upper 70s. But uh, he pitched well, kind of a tough luck there in the seventh. Uh, give up a ground ball through the six hole, wasn't hit hard, and the, the next guy bunted. And third baseman come in to field it, and his feet went out from under him. And uh, oh. he still made the throw, but the guy beat it out. And then uh, the left-handed hitter for Easter Wind come up. And last time I was there, he'd homer twice. And we're kind of thinking, are they going to bunt here first and second? No outs, left on left. And uh, first pitch fastball, base hit up the middle, game over. So yeah, uh, I love that offensive philosophy. It was something we we tried to do at each of the places I was at. And you know, you, you get good hitters and you put them in fastball situations and tell them to turn it loose against fastball because I'm sure, like you, they just bunted, they just made it, uh, just didn't defend it well, and now another bunt situation's right there. Everybody in the park's thinking bunt, everybody in the park's thinking fastball, and you turn, turn him loose and let him go get a fastball. You turn a good hitter loose on a good fastball, he's still going to get there. Um, and so, you know, it's, offensively and in terms of that preparation for what, what may have to happen in the state championship, type run for both clubs, you know, how do you defend that? How do you adjust and how do we play that offensively moving forward? But let's stay with LaFue, you know, trying to grade out the fastball. Obviously 
you know, you're, you're anywhere from 88, 89 to 94 is his range. You know, if it's in that 92, 94 range, you're probably a 50 fastball, uh, maybe a 55, depending on your grading scale uh, on that 20 to 80 with 50 being a major league average. When it starts to dip a little bit further and we're going 89 to 94, you're probably going 40, 45. Um, how did it play? Did it play like a 50? Did it play like a 40 um, in terms of when it was in the zone and what the hitters were telling you? I, I probably played more like a 40. You know, you figure against high school high school hitters. Uh, some some have some life to it. I did like how you could get into righties with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and the velo was up early, but I thought it was a good sign that, you know, he still got some 92s there in the sixth inning, uh, a lot of 90s ones, and uh, thought he moved it around well. Uh, it was – I felt like he was fastball heavy th- throughout the outing, and uh, I like seeing young guys that that trust their fastball and and don't try to mix too much. Yeah, and with the development of pitchers right now, and we turn on college games and, and see, I mean, everybody's throwing ninety ninety one. I mean, every single arm that runs out there is ninety ninety one with a, you know, and and you know, talking to college coaches while I was been out on the road, you're hearing even at the higher levels, if that fastball doesn't have that ride, it doesn't have that induced vertical break and it's not jumping on hitters, you're seeing a heavy reliance on cutter, curveball, slider, changeup, um, to the point that in one ACC conference, I, you know, there was a program that was about 30% fastballs over the course of an entire weekend. It was just cutter, 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 show me fastball, cutter, 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 show me fastball, break a ball, break a ball, changeup. Um, you know, and that that's where the analytics have gotten us. We've gotten a better feel for – you know, how, how can pitchers attack hitters? Now, if it's a 40 fastball and it doesn't have that induced vertical break and it's not playing like a 50 or a 60, um, but you have command and you can really bust guys in with it, you can then also go away, you can change eye level, that gives you a little bit more opportunity to use that fastball. But I think what a lot of pitching coaches have just gone to is we're going to use a little bit more of the plate and we're just going to spin it. And so yeah. trying to separate Lafeu from all the other guys throwing 90-91, you know, it sounds like, you know, if you want to dream on him because he's got that spin rate on the breaking ball, you know, he's a big athletic kid. You know, he looks the part. He looks like what you go, okay, this is what they look like. When you get to the next level, when you get to the highest levels, he has that frame. Um, but the risk on a high school high school arm, if you're putting him in right now, you're probably saying, you know, if the, if the number's right in the eighth to tenth round, yeah, maybe, but more than likely, I think he's committed to Wake. Is that right? Yeah, Wake Forest commit. He ends up at Wake, and you know somebody may have to pay a premium for him later on because Wake's done a good job developing those types of guys. Yes, they have, and you know their guys there have done a good job of of pitching too, and not just not just throwing and throwing for for velocity. Yeah, and it's three. You know, you look at the three starters: um, um, Louder. Uh, who obviously is a North Carolina product, is a pitch ability, sink, cut, locate, elevate, change up, breaking balls, four average pitches at the next level that he can move around. He's at least commanding at an average level, probably projection commanded a little bit better than that. Um, you know, and you look at him probably being a three, maybe a four at the big league level if you're trying to project him out, put a number on him, um, which, you know, puts him, you know, in that first, second, third round uh, grade area. I haven't, I haven't been in there to put a specific grade on him yet. Um, and then their, their Saturday guy is a left-hander who's 87 to 90 and is about 90% fastballs on certain days. 
because he does have that induced vertical break. And his fastball, you know, it may be a it may be a 40 fastball, maybe actually a little bit worse than that, but it's playing like a 60 because it is mm-hmm. absolutely jumping on hitters. And then he's got a plus change on top of that. So, you know, now you go louder, and then you go that left-hander as a transfer from Northwestern, and then they get to Hartle on Sunday. And and Hartle is a little bit more it, – it's got the in, induced vertical break. He's got a good breaking ball. He's got an average changeup, and he's got advanced command of feel. So it's it's three different looks, and all three of those guys have gotten awake and, and made a significant difference in terms of who they were before they got to wake. So, you know, if, you, if, if you're a pro guy and you're looking at LaFue – you may be able to get him this year for X. You wait three years, it may be X times five. Yeah, I mean, it's different for each organization and probably depends on, you know, what night you've seen him based on on what we've heard and, and different things. But uh, did like how he moved the fastball in and out and, you know, was able to still get some velo there late in the game. Is the breaking ball pitch that's got a chance to get swing and miss now, or are we just having to, we're having to rely on projection in terms of facing a college hitter or facing a pro hitter at the A ball double A level? I think it's more projection right now. I think he he he'll flash a good one at times, but the the consistency of it isn't isn't there yet, or at least it wasn't last night and and that look on him. Yeah, and that's that's part of the deal. For us, we're covering a lot more than just the pro guys. So obviously, you know, if I'm if I'm a pro scout, I'm going to go in and get a solid two to three to four looks on few if I've got him marked as a higher end guy and make sure what I've seen is right. Bring a cross checker in and things like that. You know, for us, we've got to cover the Division two prospects, Division three prospects, junior college prospects. We've got to see teams, so we'll probably get another look at few, But you know, we're not going to be able to sit in there and um, you know get three or four good hard looks in the spring on him to make sure we're the grade and the number is exactly what we want to turn in for a draft because we haven't, you and I haven't made a draft pick, you know, PBR doesn't have a minor league team. So we don't have to worry about being wrong on that end. Uh, let's let's put, go ahead. So we don't have to pay anybody. That's right. <laughs> Luckily, cause I can't afford it. <laughs> let's switch over to Mako. Um, obviously, you know, it's been a, on that prospect chart really since his freshman year. Um, with the frame and the build, um, you know, let's start with just last night. What did you see out of the East Rowan? Uh, love the looseness and athleticism. Uh, comes out first pitch of the game, 94, uh, pretty much 93, 94 there in the first. And uh, got another 93 in the second and third innings and uh, a lot of a lot of 90, 92 after that. Uh, just like the whippy arm, um, I thought he – Thought he got it to his glove side really well. Um, felt like he fought for his his slider throughout the night. Uh, it was not as good as I've seen it in the past. Uh, missed arm side with it some. Uh, you know the ones that that did have the velocity and, and you know better spin were seemed to be a little bit flatter last night. Uh, but uh, he just he made pitches when he had to. Uh, felt like he trusted his fastball. Um, I don't know if he was you know. Sweating bad or what? I know he had a towel with him, so maybe he didn't didn't have the grip on the breaking ball like he had, and the spin rate was jumping around a little bit. But uh, it's it's easy to dream on that kid, and and it's going to come together at some point. And you know, he's like you say a lot of times. Do you do you pay him now or do you pay him later? Because right, it, it you know it just looks like it's going to happen. 
So let's talk about the frame. I don't know if you have it in front of you. I'm guessing what, what are we? What is he about six six? One ninety. Six six. Yeah, it's thin, skinny legs. Um, yep. And so know. when we start thinking about that guy, and we start thinking about big leaguers, you know, sometimes you you see guys in high school, and you go, hey. That dude hadn't even gotten to his man strength yet, and he's just when his metabolism slows, he's just going to put on thirty pounds, and he's got a chance. As the frame's going to handle it, he's still going to be athletic. He's still going to be able to move around, but with that 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 build that he has, he reminds me a little bit more of the left-hander with Boston. It was from Florida Gulf Coast. Um, Sale, yes, Chris Sale. You know, I don't know that you're going to see that big. You know, weight gain, just in terms of you know that age putting on weight, you know, and I may be wrong, you know, but I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out where that projection is going to be. So if you're trying to grade out his fastball, you're really counting on the athleticism and the arm speed more than you are the mass, you know. And where is that fastball going to be? And I think you know that's one of the one of the risk with him. The second risk, obviously, is is development of the breaking ball, development of the command. Um, you know, and we're talking about a really, really good pitcher. When I say risk, you know, what are what are what are clubs looking at as they're trying to figure out where do they slot him in the draft? Um, what I do love is I think he's he, in, at least in his past he was a multi-sport guy. He's been a, an infielder at East Royan since he got there. Um, was a fairly high-level hitter. I think he kind of outgrew the bat a little bit. He's got those arms have got a little bit longer. Um, but early in his career, he was, he was a advanced hitter for his age, but that athleticism has a chance to continue to help him develop. Um, if you're, if you're trying to put future numbers on him, how tough is it from the, from what you've seen the last couple outings and you know, how aggressive are you with those future numbers? I think you can be pretty aggressive with, with the fastball. And, uh, you know, where it's at now and um, he's got to get stronger. Uh, I think it'll happen. I know you talk about sale um, guy that come to mind, seeing him in high school. And I know they're different, but Jackson Kowar out of out of Charlotte Christian was skinny yeah. kid, lanky kid. And, uh, you know, I know he's much older now, but, you know, he he is thicker in the lower half. He's been able to hold on weight. And, you know, I um, don't know how much mass Mako will get, but. I do know he can add strength and, you know, he's, he's shown the ability to still get some below late with arm strength. And uh, one thing I like is both times I've seen him this year is he, sh- he shows his changeup. And, uh, you know, that can be tough to do in high school when, you know, you have some velocity, but he showed it and then, you know, he stays around his arm side with it and he's got, got good arm speed with it. So, you know, I think that has a chance to be a solid third pitch for him as well. And in the past I've seen the breaking ball better. So I think, you know, you can be comfortable there dreaming on the breaking ball as well. Um, you know, just you don't know what kind of instruction he's getting, what his program is. I think, uh, you know, an organization that trusts their development, what they can do, you know, may feel comfortable paying them right now and uh, and seeing what happens. The thing about both those guys in, in their development track, and I think they both play with the South Charlotte Panthers, they both seem to be very competitive. I mean, I remember watching LaFue make the, the state playoff run last year, and I got in there and saw him twice in the playoffs. And, you know, he enjoyed the big moment. He enjoyed the lights. He enjoyed South Rowan being packed. Um, you know, Mako's been the same way since he's been at East. Obviously, they've played in a, in a bunch of big games. 
But I think both of those guys relish the fact that they got a chance to throw against each other yesterday. And I think a lot of times in those situations, you know, one club may need a win in conference, you know, and if they slough off and they flip their, their staff, I'm going to throw my ace against your two. I got a better chance of getting at least one, you know, but I think and to both, both team, both coaches, um, you know, compliments to them for lining that up and saying, Hey, our, our big dog's got going to win. Here he is. And, and both those guys compete and they give you that chance night in and night out. And then we talk about development and how does that play? Both these guys are going to fail at some point, you know, whether it's for one game, one week or a month, they're going to hit a patch where they really struggle. That competitive nature will allow them to continue to process what's going on and get through it and make adjustments and get better. Yeah. And uh, it looked like they both enjoyed it last night and, you know, being in that as big as baseball is there, I'm sure those guys have faced each other and seen each other a ton of times. And, um, you know, South had chances, you know, a chance to score. They loaded the bases in one, one inning and Mako got a punch out, but uh, it's, it's fun watching baseball down there. And I think, I know that's a small scale, but it has helped those two kids playing in front of bigger crowds and, uh, and games that, that mean more than, than mean more than just the kids in your dugout. Yeah. The the other thing I think sometimes, and you mentioned it, we don't know exactly what their throwing plan is. We don't know exactly what their development system is, but I think both guys are coming from teams and from coaches that have a background in developing guys. You know, uh, Coach Crispin at South Rowan, I pitched at Chapel Hill. You know, he, he's had some guys roll through his program. Uh, not necessarily, you know, a first or second round type guy, but he's had some guys come through that you're looking, okay, that's an average high school arm. And by the time they're seniors, you know, they're really good high school arms with a chance to pitch at the college level. And then even, you know, and continue to notch up from there. You know, obviously East Rowan's had a good run of really talented players coming through there. Um, and, and chance is just the latest one. Um, but I think that history of those guys developing those arms and putting those arms in good positions also allows Chance and Hayden to thrive as they're getting there because it's not the first time for those guys. So kudos to those two programs, um, as well as it would be for a lot of programs in North Carolina. It was a great game to be at last night. Well, speaking of great games to be at, I got a chance to go to the NHSI for two days. Um, and while, while there I was tracking TC Roberts and I was cross checking, you know, some of our national guys and things like that. Um, I think we have, is TC Roberson, were they fourth in our state? I think fourth. In the power 25. I think we got up at number four. Um, obviously they're ranked in our region in the mid Atlantic. And that was one of the things I was kind of interested to see. They opened up with Santa Margarita out of California who is a nationally ranked team in the power in our, in our uh, PBR national rankings, um, multiple guys going to Pac-12 schools, and they threw a right-handed senior at him that could really pitch. He's uncommitted. Some of it, from what I'm hearing, may be grade-related. He just he hasn't found the right fit for where his grades are with the school that he wants to go to. Um, and, and an important reminder to all high school players, the higher your grades are, the more things are going to be open for you. But – he could really pitch. It was 82-84. He touched a six, break a ball to both sides, change up to both sides, elevate down, in and out. I mean, he could really pitch. And he tied Roberson up. And um, I was a little bit shocked because I thought Roberson looked tight. 
you know, and I, and I think in that environment, in that NHSI, you're the host team. I don't know what the expectations are. I think, you know, knowing the coaching staff at Roberson, their expectations were to go win four games. But I don't know what the expectations were across the board. And I think they dipped their toe in the water, and all of a sudden they, they're not playing well, but they're only down two. They're only down four. And they're going, man, if we just play, we'll be fine. Um, and then the flash forward the next day, they played Doral Academy out of Florida. A very, very talented athletic group. Not quite as offensive as what Santa Margarita was. Um, but again, they had a chance. They had a, a runner. Uh, Parham got picked off third when he slipped in the third. Otherwise, they take a 1-0 lead. Um, it was 1-1 into the seventh. And it was you know a little bit like what you saw last night. Darrell Academy kind of played the game a little bit and, and was able to find a hole and score a run. So, you know, they start out 0-2. They end up 0-4. Uh, they played an extra inning game after I left. They played another one-run game after I left. You know, you start getting into that tournament and, and you can lose you can lose games just on depth. You know, sometimes teams had set up to be able to have their ace throw in a semifinal game and all of a sudden they, they lost before it. They don't get to a semifinal game and you're T.C. Roberson and you're seeing – you know, the number four ranked right-handed pitcher in the country. Um, I don't know that that happened, but that that that's kind of what I saw in terms of a little bit shell-shocked in the first game, not knowing what to expect, <clears throat> relaxed and played really well the rest of the tournament, just didn't get a win out of it. So how does that compare with North Carolina teams? Well, I think they're they're the number four team in our, in our state right now. Probably just based on talent, it's a little bit high, but they've played really well. Um, and so as these other teams go to the NHSI in the future, it, it revolves around arms. But if you throw strikes and get outs and you're in the game in the fifth, those other teams are going to panic because you're just the host team. And we've seen North Carolina teams make runs because of that. And so, you know, that that was interesting just watching them. Um, you know, and then I saw uh, – a lot of really, really good hitters. You know, one name, and there's going to be a couple of reports that come out onto the website here um, as we're filming this on Tuesday. I'm sorry, today's Wednesday. Um, you know, we'll have some some reports coming out. But Ralphie Velasquez out of out of California, Arizona commit, left-handed hitter, catcher, first baseman. He can really hit. He can really turn the pole, and it sh- it stood out. Um, Blake Balls, who's from Santa Margarita. They've got two catchers. He's going to UCLA. They got a catcher, uh, Lavin, who's going to Stanford. Lavin can really, really throw. Balls is athletic, left-handed hitter, can turn the pole. Um, but it's not a tournament built for hitters. It's a tournament built for pitchers. And you know, saw uh, Noble Meyer was the top-ranked arm. I saw we've got him at number four nationally, uh, six, 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 seven, if I remember correctly, out of Oregon. Um, you know, fours and fives throughout carried it. Two different breaking balls, both in the zone. Change-ups got a ways to go, but, you know, you can see it. The delivery is not polished. It's it's not repeatable yet, but he's still throwing the ball where he wants to. And it's a first-round arm probably. So <clears throat> all in all, great experience, great to be up there. I know I told you it's probably something we both need to be at because we saw um, so many, um, you know, guys that we grew up coaching with and scouting with and you know now those guys have big time jobs and in, in their organizations so a chance to hobnob with those guys too 
you know, seeing seeing teams from across the country, and obviously you see a lot of a lot, you've seen teams in North Carolina for years and years. How did the physicality of of those teams across the country? How do they match up with what we see on a nightly basis here in North Carolina? So Calvary Christian was there. They're the number one ranked team in our PBR national rankings as of now. They're probably going to drop. Um, it's not like guys are bigger, you know. But Calvary Christians one to nine, you know, hunting the beach was one to nine, and, and they freaking brought a small army to carry. I think they had forty guys in their dugout. Um, <laughs> Santa Margarita, yeah, <laughs> Santa Margarita. It was one to seven. Um, that was the difference. Now there were teams there, Saint Xavier from Kentucky. They had two live arms guys that you know match would be able to match up with a Mako and a Lafew. Um, and then defensively, they just caught the ball and made plays. Offensively, they were overmatched. Um, Doral Academy didn't quite have the arms that some of these other places had out of Florida, but they got a shortstop that's a top three-round guy. They got a center fielder that's going to be a top-round guy next year. They were athletic across the board with a bunch of ACC commits. And that's kind of what you saw is it was just the depth. And I think what happens in North Carolina, and we've talked about this from the time you were playing and the time I was playing is the the high school teams can get looted for a good reason. There's more people living in the state. There's more people moving into Greensboro, more people moving into Charlotte and Raleigh. Um, and, and so they have to build new high schools. So just in the Charlotte area, you know, you know, what used to be Providence is now, or used to be just South Mech is now Palisades and Audrey Kell and, and all these other schools that have been built in the last 10 years. And it just dilutes where those players are. Um, at the NHSI, you know, a lot of these are – they're not academies like a Pro 5, but they're academies or private schools like a Charlotte Christian. You know, they, they have the ability to draw from bigger areas. They You know, some of them have housing. Um, I don't – you know, I didn't get real in-depth in terms of how do they recruit or how they pull players in, but I know California rules are different than North Carolina rules. Um, but having said that, the team out of Arizona, uh, Basha, who played really, really well, um, I, they're they're a top five, top ten team if they're in North Carolina, and I think they're you know they're a regional team in the West Coast. But they didn't freak out, and they had a bunch of dudes throw strikes, and they beat Santa Margarita, and um, they had a, guy, a couple guys play maybe above their head for a couple days. They relished the fact that they were there. They felt like they were belonged. They felt like they were there to show something. And so that's that's where we see. When I talk to Shooter and I talk to some of the guys in our in our um, team rankings, you know, there's no reason East Forsyth shouldn't be considered for a national ranking. There's no reason if Wake Forest continues to play well. I mean, you can go down probably to where yeah, our top three Roberson's not a national team right now. Um, you know, and we had a talk. Where are they going to fit? How does how does an NHSI zero and four figure into our Power Twenty Five? They played four really good teams. Um, you know, four teams that would probably be in our, in our top two or three. So, you know, they lost games that on paper we would have had them losing. I think that's the interesting part, though, is it just how they how they go and play there. It's now how do they handle being zero and four coming out of there after their break? So, yeah. Is there is there a team we have lower than them in our Power Twenty Five that 
would have performed better there than than TC Roberson. That was kind of that was kind of my thought with it is anybody below them have the depth of arms to go in there and and go two and two, you know, or have a chance yeah, to go two and two. Well, you, you know the the arms the arms are going to dictate that, and that's that's one of the reasons I thought. And again, Roberson's played their tails off, so I, I'm not I'm not want to bash them and say they were bloated at number four in our rankings because they've they've beaten everybody, but they don't have the arm. You know, if if Mako goes out there and faces Santa Margarita, uh, East Rowan, High Tower, short, they're not going to freak out because they got they got a dude on the mound. This guy can win. And, you know, they may get a win there. Uh, D.H. Conley won a couple games there last year. Um, I, I think just that presence of having been there before, you know, if you, if you take a team every two years, they, they, don't, they don't have to put their foot in the water. They know what it's about. Again, Middle Creek has an arm. I think J.H. Rose would be in the same boat as Roberson, you know, because you're just not going to hit with some of those clubs, even Doral Academy, who wasn't pitching heavy, they ran out four, five, six guys that were 88, 89 or better. And that's the difference between those some of those clubs that are maybe in the national rankings versus teams that are in our regional rankings and fighting to pow- to get up our power 25. It's not the it's not the one. It's the two, the three, the four, and the five. You know, because at some point in that tournament, you're going to have to get to your sixth and seventh arm. Um, you know, I, and I think and, in in North Carolina, you know. Philippec does such a good job of mixing and matching his pitching staff. We'll usually have two days in between games, you know, right. and then you have the weekend and you go there and you play three straight days. So you, you know, it really shows your lack of depth on the mound when you don't have a couple of days to get them back. And, you know, you may have a guy that two guys that throw every game, every week you play during the high school season. Yeah. And, and even, even having said that, I'm going to see if I can't pull it real quick right out of the shoot. You know, they pitched it at a 4-3-3 for the week. Opponents only hit 267. Um, You know, the difference between the teams that won a bunch of games and the teams that struggled a little bit were two things. One, the number of strikeouts. You know, the teams that won a bunch of games were striking out a hitter an inning. They they were limiting the the chances of errors being made. The second part was the, the play defensively. And Roberson is typically a very, very good defensive club. They field at 957. You know, that's probably 20 to 30 points underneath where I think they would typically feel that over the course of a longer season, especially on that surface, because there's no bad bounces in carry. Um, no. You know, a lot of that stuff was, you know, was throwing. Um, the, the thing, even with teams that played well in this tournament, batting averages were, you know, 220, 260 in that range. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going through a couple here and looking to see if I can't find some of the clubs that played all the way through. Uh, Bishop Gorman out of Nevada was probably the most offensive club there in terms of their production, not in terms of what their lineup had, but they hit 288. You know, uh, there were, I don't know that there were any home runs hit throughout the course of the week. I haven't found one in a box. You know, there were a bunch of singles and a ton of doubles. Pitching kind of lives and, and, and breathes out there, even as you get later in a tournament, because there's still guys that are throwing, you know, 87 to 90 as you get to five, six, and seven, where TC Roberson was different. You know, they got to yeah. game one, it's two nothing. They got they got Jake Parham in the game. I think it was a two nothing game in the six, and they got him in. You know, here's our closer, it's two nothing. 
we got a chance to, to dink and dink and dunk a, a two base runners and run into a ball and it's three, two and we win. And he, and Jake just wasn't as good as we've seen him on the bump and Santa Margarita got to him a little bit. Um, you know, the next day, Nick threw Nick Parham, the younger brother. And, you know, he got out of a second and third, no out with a blind pick to second and a punch out and a pop-up. And then, you know, it's just mix. He mix, 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 mix. And he kept Durrell Academy kind of off balance. You know, if they, they just, if they had gotten a lead, it would have been interesting to see how other teams played against them. They just, I don't think they, they had ever had a lead in the tournament. I think they were playing uphill the, the entire way. And when you don't have that stud on the bump that's going to kind of keep you there, you know, then then the game gets longer. It's harder. It's you do feel like you're running uphill. The the one thing I did the, that was interesting, you know, Calvary Christian matched up with Noble Meyer on night one. So Noble Meyer's the the right hander is number four overall in our our rankings in the 2023 class. Big right hander committed to Oregon, and he has a one nothing lead. Calvary Christian's throwing a, a young man by the name of Hunter Dietz, committed to uh, Arkansas. Left-handed pitcher. Reminded me a little bit of Dallas Keuchel because of the Arkansas commit, of, and he's left-handed, but he could pitch. I mean, it was in out. It was break him on the zone, elevate. It, it was really impressive the way he pitched. I think his stuff was down. I think we have him at number 30 maybe um, in our rankings. But it's one nothing, and and, and Calvary's they're not sniffing Noble. I mean, not, they're not close. And this is a good offensive club. Fifth inning, they just said screw it. They just started bunting. You know, you're talking about a, a club full of Division One commits and, and pro prospects, and they just every hitter bunt, 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 bunt. And in the sixth, they got him. It was a a bunt that was misplayed, a bunt for a sing, uh, sacrifice, a bunt for a single. And then they got one thrown away, scored two runs. Next guy, bunt situation. They turn him loose, and he hammers a fastball. That gets him a third run. It's three to one. And then they went to Calvary, went to their closer. Uh, I guess his name was Jason Laradis. was 92-94, maybe touched a five, committed to NC State. So the number one team in the country, you know, kind of went in there. And fourth inning just completely changed the way they'd been playing. And, again, you're talking about higher level. Can we, on any given night, figure out a way to score runs? Can we run the bases at a high enough level we can we can get an extra run? Because we're not going to always hit doubles. We're not going to always hit home runs. Calvary Christian showed that. Now, they turn around the next night, they got somebody else's ace. They got, you know, somebody that was ranked, I think, in our in our top 50. Turn around the next day, they got somebody ranked in our top 100. So they saw – they, they they got it handed to them a little bit in terms of the scheduling because I think people knew that they may get them and we're going to need to be matched up with them. So that that was always interesting to watch too. Yeah, that's good being in a place with so much talent on hand and then, you know, seeing how our guys match up across the country. And um, I feel like TC will bounce back from it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll see them again late in the playoffs. Well, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to fight for a couple of our teams because I, I was uh, – we're not as – we're not as, as spread out and diluted as I thought watching that. So I, I think everybody in the country maybe um, is in, in a similar situation, even some of the academies because there's so many academies now. So I, I think it is something that we'll have to kind of look at and see. You know, East Forsyth, for me, watching that week is, is a team that they continue to play the way they've been playing, and they just swept their spring break trip. They probably need to be in the mix to be a, a nationally ranked team. You know, and so we'll we'll continue to see how that plays out. But 
Um, I can promise you I'm going to be beating on the table a little bit for them. Yeah, they've uh, they've been consistent all year, and they can win in, in several different ways. Let's move forward to spring break. I know we teased this a little bit last week, um, trying to get some schedules in from some coaches, and, and we now have up on our website, if you go to the Prep Baseball Report and you go to North Carolina, under the tabs, there's one tab that's North Carolina High School, NCHS. When you click on that tab, the very first thing you see is 2023 spring break events. You also see inside the box, scout blog, heat sheet, our power 25, our player and pitcher of the week. Um, but let's talk about the spring break events because you and I hit the road as we're filming this on Wednesday. We hit the road Thursday. Um, where are you heading? What are you excited to see? Uh, heading to the battle at the Boneyard at Corinth Holders on Thursday. I believe it has four teams in our power 25 right now. It's a loaded um, event. Yeah. Went to it last year. Uh, you know, you get to the night game, it's playoff atmosphere at a, you know, a nice high school park. And, um, even the, even the handful of teams that are there that aren't ranked, you know, have, uh, there'll be quality opponents and, uh, you know, there's no clear cut favorite in any of those games. I don't feel like. So Corinth holders, Wake Forest, Middle Creek, Leesville road, Wakefield, Heritage, Southerly, and Fuquay. Obviously Corinth, Wake Forest, Middle Creek, and Fuquay are in our power 25. Southern Lee is an interesting one. Pierce Bauman, um, you know, has kind of been doing it both ways for them. And they, um, they, the other right-hander, his name slipped on my mind, was it the C35 day, but he's throwing the ball well. Uh, Wakefield is a young club, but very athletic. Leesville's got a left-hander uh, that was with, uh, with us at the future games and um, committed to Old Dominion. So you're going to see some really good talent there, you know, and I, and, I'm, I'm a little jealous, too, because you'll get a chance to visit with our, our friend Coach Weaver at Corinth and always like hanging out with him. Yeah, great place to be, and he's been good to us. And should see a lot of good arms, a lot of good pitching players, and even, uh, you know, Heritage, they got an arm that, you know, has, has beat some teams this year a couple main games. And excited to be there and get that playoff field again. Well, you're going to get two days there. So I'm going to bounce around a little bit. I'm actually going to head over tomorrow, Thursday, and I'll be at my alma mater. I'm going to go to Millbrook. A little nostalgia trip for me. But I'll get three games with three teams, each of them playing a doubleheader. So I'll see Millbrook, Green Level, and Broughton. Um, you know, Green Level is a team we've had in our Power 25. I think they've got talent on their roster. I think they've played a good schedule, but they haven't figured out how to win some close games. They've made some errors late in games. Um, you know, Millbrook, new coaching staff. So excited to see um, how those guys are developing. And then in Broughton. Um, it's got a, an arm on the front end. It's going, I think, going to NC State. Um, you know, may or may not see him, but you know, excited to see those clubs in Raleigh. And I'll turn around from there, and I'll head to the Pitt County Classic. Um, multiple high schools have not figured out exactly who I'm going to go see there. And then on Saturday, I will be at East Mech at some point because they have the barbecue pit going. <laughs> but it's East Mech, Myers Park, and South Mech hosting the Jack Sink. So do at least one day at the Jack Sink on that Saturday. And, you know, for for us, you know, we're seeing, you know, both of us seeing teams out of the Triangle area, then getting into that hotbed of Pitt County. And then for me getting back into Charlotte, we're, we're you know, chance to see, you know, 30 clubs between us and, and some of the better baseball areas in the state. Yeah, it's an exciting time. See so many teams and uh, 
back-to-back days helps us get a good feel for teams and players. And, uh, you know, some of these places it gets, gets intense and helps get them ready for the playoffs. It's, uh, you know, getting really close here. I know as we get into the next week, you've got another two-day trip, but it's it's a little bit longer drive for you. So <laughs> no issues with taking that two days out there because you're going to head to Moorhead City. I know you're going to see uh, first flight. You're going to see New Hanover. But the, the marquee team may be South Brunswick. Yeah. Um, you know, they've played well this year. They're into our Power 25 now. And uh, Walker Jenkins, so, you yep. know, he's – maybe the best high school player in the country and um, get to get in and see him. And uh, also, also do Hanover another power 25 team. That's a talented roster and uh, make the long drive and see some good baseball. And you'd be in a good facility too. Those guys in Moorhead city do, do a good job there, that CPL club. And obviously it's a nice area of the state. Hopefully the weather, the weather is accommodating for us as we get on the road, but, you know, with with Walker Jenkins, I know we talked about this earlier this week. He's putting up really good numbers because he's a really good player. But he's being pitched around. He's getting a ton of walks. He's not being put in positions to drive in runs. The guys behind him are making making teams pay for that decision. Excuse me. As we get towards and let's fast forward a little bit towards the end of the year. He's an easy guy to slot in. You go, all state. Oh, he's one of our outfielders. But as we're looking at numbers and trying to figure this stuff out, have you figured out how, how do we how do we debate that? How do we talk about, you know, a guy like him who we know is he's the best player in the state? Obviously, you know, the, the player of the year may not be the best player every every single year, though, in terms of talent, because they've got to put up numbers. But his numbers are being diluted because He's such a good player. People don't want him to beat them. How how do we how do we go about that when we're looking at all state teams, North Carolina Player of the Year, even National Player of the Year? Well, I hope it be in a spring break tournament. I hope they pitch to him when I'm there. Uh, you know, get to see some <laughs> swings. But uh, I think you got to look at it if if he's that good that he's been walked consistently throughout the year. Uh, that's got to carry a lot of weight. You know, I yeah. know we've had. A lot of good players in the past who teams have pitched to in uh, in big games and have you know had the chance to put up numbers and um, as much as he's walked this year, I think that that says a lot. You know, that's something you don't see every year, and uh, you know it does look like when he has had a chance to swing, he's he's performed in that, and uh, you know it's, you don't see that all the time, all the walks. We look at we look at the two guys last year that were up for national player of the year, North Carolina's player of the year, Brooks Brandon, and in our what eventually was our national player of the year, Jackson Holiday, who went number one overall to the Orioles. Um, those two guys had lineups behind them where you knew, hey, he, this guy may do damage. But I, every time I went in and watched Randleman, Brooks was getting up runners on first and second, and they had a guy behind him who was hitting like four four ninety with you know, eight home runs. So you're not going to walk Brooks to load the bases and let the guy behind him hit. You're going to take your chances and hopefully get one of those two out and Brooks continue to put up numbers. Bang, 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 bang. Jackson was in a similar situation in Oklahoma where his lineup had enough depth, you know, where, okay, we're going to pitch around Jackson Holiday, but behind him we got an Arkansas and a Texas commit. You know, so pick your poison. You know, maybe we shouldn't just give up the free base. Let's see if we can get him out. I'm waiting for – 
because the numbers are there with the guys that are hitting behind Walker. I'm waiting for the teams in that that area to say, yeah, I get it, but we're, we're getting beat because he's on base. We're not we're not letting him beat, beat us with his bat, but we're getting beat because he's on base and he's creating some havoc, and the guys behind him are beating us because he's on base. So let's not just give him the free base. Let's see what happens. And and that could that could be coming, or you may just have coaches that kind of dig in their heels and say, seen it for three years, not going to be fooled. He's, he's going to walk four times when he faces us. Yeah, I think the one reason he's been walked like he has is those guys have performed behind him, but it's been back-to-back singles, maybe a double. Yeah. There hasn't been the, the one swing in the home run like Randleman was able to do last year with with Way in the lineup and, you know, a handful of other guys. Well, we've got those. I'm going to be at Terry Sanford's tournament. I always love going to that one. I think I'll be there for the last day. Um, I know Wilson's got a, a tournament that we may have somebody shoot over to. The Catawba Valley Easter Classic, uh, one of us will probably be there. The Hilltop Invitational in Orange High School, the Gaston County Tournament. may have a couple of arms that are interesting there. And then the Grasshopper Invitational. Those dates are, are, are great. If those dates are true for what we got, 412 to 415, because <clears throat> there's only two tournaments. There's no other tournaments in North Carolina going on after the 13th. So the Grasshopper took advantage and those those teams playing in that. They're the only show in town at that point in terms of showing up at one place and seeing eight teams play. So we're going to be out and about, not just you and me, but the rest of our scouting staff. And, you know, we may see 100, 150 games here in the next, you know, week to 10 days. So very excited about that. Yeah, looking forward to an exciting time and a lot of baseball and uh, help us uh, get geared up for uh, playoff season. As we sign off, I'm going to brag a little bit. Um, my, my, I finally, I've been telling guys, I finally got a head coaching job. I'm, I'm the head coach of the Mint Hill T-Ball Seahawks, the Fighting Seahawks. It's, it's a white jersey with a lime green accent and some blue lettering. It's a white hat. And then right out of the chute on day one, we played in rain. So all the kids loved it because they were muddy. All the moms and dads, well, moms. <clears throat> is what we heard more more from trying to figure out how to get those hats clean. I was like, you know, I told my wife, it's, it's dirty. She can just play with the dirt. No, no, we're going to, we got to get it clean. So, but uh, little Kylie is not, not quite as little as she was last year. And she's um, five at bats and she's smoked four balls so far. She's played well at short. She's played well as a pitcher and she hasn't sat down when she's been in the outfield yet. So that we're, we're moving and trending in the right direction. Um, and then we've got a couple Seahawks that, honestly, our first day at practice, they didn't know to drop the bat. That was something we had to work on. When you hit, you have to drop the bat before you run. Um, but now game two, you we, we are running to the right bases. We're running. We know where our positions are. And we actually turned a double play last night. So um, hats off to my Seahawks. I don't know that any of them are going to watch this because it doesn't pertain to them in any way at all, but chance for, for dad to brag for a minute. Well, I hope you, I hope you give them a, a, you know, a practice off after the, the performance so far and let them enjoy the holiday a little bit. Well, yeah, because I'm going to, I'm not going to be here for a week. I'm going to be <laughs> on the road. So <laughs> they're getting, they're getting this, this, this week or two practice dates off. And then we get two more practice dates before our games kick back up. Um, so we've made progress. I'm hoping we don't go completely backwards with one full week off, but we'll see. That's right. All right, my man. Well, be safe on the road. We'll try and get together at some point next week and get this, but if we don't, we'll update you as to why, because we're going to be on the road. It's going to be tough trying to get 
um, you know, service and, and times and schedules to get together. But we're definitely going to try to get this done so we can get information out. For Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Reported North Carolina podcast, and hopefully we'll see you next week, but we'll definitely see, it, see you at the field.